Very good to see everybody here this afternoon. Uh, I'm not going up there. It's hot up there. Those three steps make a big difference. So I'm going to stay down here with you all if you all don't mind. Uh, we're talking in the, the book of Ruth is what we're going to study. Uh, I was not planning on speaking today. I really wasn't. Brother Jim was supposed to be here. And David sent me a text, a picture of the preacher list, and there was his name, and there was my name. So uh, I'd like you to follow along in the Bible. We do not have a PowerPoint other than this picture. And uh, like I said, we're going to be studying the book of Ruth. We're going to be studying three different people. Uh, the first one is going to be Naomi, and then Ruth and Boaz. So if you have a Bible, I encourage you to follow along. Uh, I will be reading out of the King James if you don't want to, and that's perfectly fine. But I found it very interesting that... Uh, out of all the people in Matthew chapter 1, it um, talks about the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And there's three, five, three, three or five women that are mentioned. And one of those is Ruth. So it's like, well, you know, that's, that's something. Out of all those people, I mean, it takes two to tango. And out of all those, we got three women that are mentioned. So we're going to be studying one of them, and that is Ruth. Um, I didn't mean to do that. We begin in Ruth chapter 1. Uh, this takes place, uh, the time frame was, if you're interested, uh, in the time of Judges. And he, we know from reading throughout Judges that they had, you know, children of Israel would do something and they'd have like famine. And it, you know, plagues of locusts, drought, uh, wildfires. I mean, they're, it, the, the list is endless. But anyway, they were. They were uh, they were going hungry. So anyway, Naomi uh, was uh, married to Imelech. Uh, they had two sons uh, there in verse number, uh, chapter 1, verse number 2, sons Malon and Chilion. Um, they're um, from Bethlehem originally. And it says there that they were Ephratites. And that is, goes back to the, there's a lot of different opinions, but either goes back to the, the tribe of Ephraim, and it also uh, kind of uh, gives you an idea of their uh, wealth status. Like they were probably some of the wealthier people in Bethlehem. So anyway, as famine grew, uh, they piyad, and they went to the land of Moab. Now, the land of Moab... Uh, you go back into the Old Testament, and after uh, uh, Lot, there we go, lost train of thought. Lot had two daughters, all right? And they both gave birth to sons. The eldest one, that's their family, is the Moabites. And so, uh, Sean, there was a prophet that prophesied against the children of Israel, that was a Moabite. Can you tell me his name? Because I just went blank. Anyway, after that, he did. They prophesied against the children of Israel. And so, therefore, uh, they were actually have no dealings with the Moabites. They weren't uh, intermingled. They weren't with many of tribes, but especially the Moabites. They, they were one of the ones that were listed. And so, with that being said, for them to leave the land of Judah, go around the Dead Sea, as you can see from Bethlehem, uh, where it says Judah real big, 
Bethlehem's right above it. So they went from Bethlehem to Jerusalem over towards Jericho and then came down to the land of Moab just so they wouldn't starve to death. While they were there, uh, Imelech died. But uh, Naomi was okay. She had two sons. Them being there and of the right age, they took Moabite wives. Uh, Ruth being uh, the wife of the eldest, and then, uh, oh, Give me a second. Omar Orpha was the wife of the other wife. So we go along reading there uh, in Ruth chapter 1. Verse number 6 says, Then she arose with her daughter-in-law that, they, that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went out, they went on their way to return unto the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughter-in-laws, Go, return each of her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord, the Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you in, his own, in the house of her, mother, of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said, Surely, said unto her, Surely we will return unto thee, unto thy people. The story goes on that in, neither one of the daughters wanted to leave, but uh, Orpha, in verse number 14, she, she goes back to the land of Moab. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how far they traveled with her on the way back. Uh, I'm guessing to the borders of Moab up to the north, uh, uh, Heshbon. Uh, where they actually settled is uh, not really mentioned. Um, you can go back into some other books and they'll give you an idea. But anyway, they traveled with her for a while. And then verse number 16, it says, And Ruth said, Ruth said Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and whither thou wilt lodge, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. So we see that as the time, uh, they were there for about 10 years, as the time went on, she was married, Ruth was, that she accepted God. She knew who their God was, and she was, she was willing to leave her family, everything that she knew, and go with Ruth to a, to a foreign land. Um, at that time, you did not want to be a foreigner. I mean, things were, were not good for you. Besides the fact that you don't have any family and your husband is dead, uh, your job possibilities are about two. You can turn yourself over to prostitution or you can be a beggar in the streets. Either way, uh, she had a hard road ahead of her to, to go with Naomi. And Naomi did too because she doesn't have any male relatives left other than her husband's kinfolk that were back uh, in Judah. Very, uh, very poetic how that's worded. It's uh, ranked as one of the top verses in, in Scripture that's 
uh, just beautifully written, and I think it's probably more so in Hebrew than it is in English, but uh, she just confessed right there to her mother-in-law, where you die, I'll die. Your God will be my God. I'm going with you to the end. And that's what she did. The first question I have for you this morning or this evening is, what are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to sacrifice in your life to, to be a child of God? You know, I, I, I look at my life and the things that I've done, and there were a lot of times where I didn't make the right choice. You know, there's a lot of times where, you know, times get hard and God was not the first person I turned to. You know, it seemed like it's, you always look for a worldly answer first, or it seems like I did. Where do you go whenever things get bad? You turn to the scripture, you turn to God, you turn to prayer. Or are you like me and you end up being kind of hard-headed and try to figure out your own way out? No, we're not, we're not supposed to be afraid or to worry about tomorrow. We're supposed to believe that God will provide. You know, he, he's, he says in Scripture that he'll show us a way out. There is always a way out of our problems, and we need to turn to him to find them. First uh, Chronicles 28 and verse number 20. First Chronicles 28 and verse 20 says, And David said unto Solomon his son, Be strong and courageous, be strong and of good courage, and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee, until thou hast finished all thy work for the service of the house of the Lord. He will be with you to the end. No, Naomi goes on uh, verse number 20 of Ruth that she was she felt God dealt very bitterly with her you know things have not been going her way and and she does not she does not hide that and she does not hide that with Naomi or with Ruth or, or anyone else, uh, kind of remind me a lot of Job and what he went through. It seemed like Naomi lost just about everything at once, and yet she still turned to God. You know, she could have, she probably could have stayed in Moab. Uh, they didn't have, they worshipped idols a lot, and they did different things a lot differently. But in the end, when things got bad, she turned to God. She turned to God's people. I ask you, do you turn to your brothers and sisters in Christ whenever times get hard? I got, I got a couple of people that I call whenever things get hard. You know, and, and I'm sure we all do. We have somebody in our life whenever things get hard. If you don't have anybody, I strongly suggest you do. It'll help getting through hard times a lot easier. Um, Naomi goes on in verse 20 talking about how things are, are not good. Uh, 
He said to them, call, call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for Almighty had dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye, call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. Look at, uh, you know, being the Christians, we, we, uh, uh, there's a there's a lot of different denominations that that preach that uh, things will be good once you become a Christian. You know everything will be all right. It, it's the wealth and prosperity uh, gospel is what I've heard it referred to. But nowhere in Scripture is that given to us. I mean, not there's not a single place I've looked for it. I was like, you know, these hard times. I'm like, why? You know, I'm a Christian. Why can't why can't things be a lot easier? The thing is, we were never promised an easy, an easy life. Look at uh, Matthew chapter eight with me. Matthew chapter eight and verse number twenty it says, "And Jesus says to him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head." You know, we think of this as, as uh, worldly, but as, as Christians. As Christians, this right here with our brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the only home that we have here on this earth. To be surrounded with like-minded Christians and worshiping God. Your home that you abide in throughout the week, that's your safe zone. This right here, you're safe. The troubles in the world, as Brother Zane was talking to me about a while ago, you know, you get outside these walls, you get outside your house, and as soon as you step out the front door, there's the world. The problems of the world, the things that are in it, they hit you right smack dab in the middle of the face. And God said that's the way it's going to be. Day in and day out. You have to make that choice. You have to make that choice day in and day out to follow him. One or two bad choices, and you're on a slippery slope. No, I, I like that Brother Britt leads a song, This World Is Not My Home. And a very true song. This world is not our home. And we need to keep that in the forefront of our mind. There is a lot better place, as Brother David was talking about this morning, there's a lot better place waiting for us at the end of this race that we run as Christians. And it lasts forever. It's an eternity. It's an eternal home. So whenever we share the gospel with people and try to undo things that they have heard that <laughs> not necessarily right, we need to remind people or, or let them know that just because you become a Christian does not mean things are going to be easier. You're still going to lose loved ones. You may someday have to bury a child, your spouse, your loved ones. 
you might run out of money. Life happens. But no matter what you lose, you will never lose Jesus Christ. All right, let's look at Ruth for a second. Um, we definitely so far see Ruth's faith by her actions. Just her actions right off the bat to, to follow Naomi back to Bethlehem. You know, she, she left that old world, she left that land of Moab behind her. I ask you, have you left the old man that you crucified whenever you got in that water? Did you completely leave him behind? You know, the time I think about it, I, you know, there at first, for a couple of years after I became a Christian, I did not crucify that old man. And I mean crucify him, I mean slay him. I think it was a, maybe it was Quanta Parker or Crazy Horse, I think it was Crazy Horse, had a quote. You know, which dog do you feed the most? you got two dogs in you, which one do you feed the one the, one the most? Is the one that you're going to be. You feed the, the mean, ugly, bad dog that runs around town and does all the things that he shouldn't and ends up getting thrown in the pound and euthanized or are you that good little lap dog that sits at the feet of his master and goes fetches the newspaper and things of that sort. You know, what dog you are in life is, is really which one you feed the most. And for several years, I was feeding the wrong dog. And a lot of it had to do with the people that I ran with, they didn't change. You know, I was still around those people. It's kind of hard to, to start anew whenever you're still engulfed in the old. You have to crucify that old man in order to move on with your life. Maybe the big part of that is is what future do you want to have for yourself? What kind of future do you want to have in life? Do you want to do everything that you want to do and just worry about yourself? And I tell you that death and destruction awaits you if you do. You have to choose that higher power. You have to choose God. Your actions need to reflect it. That's something that's very clear. James chapter 2 and verse number 18. James chapter 2 and verse number 18. says, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without my, thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Are you living as a Christian? Other than the fact that you're you're here on Sunday, you're partaking of the Lord's table that I'm really afraid I'm going to knock over here in a little bit, but are you living as a Christian? Are you making those choices? You know, Brother Zane, uh, last Sunday, talked about the body. You know, he talked about being the eyes, the hands, the feet. 
You know, I was, I was talking to, to Brawen on the way home, and she was asking me what I got out of that lesson, and I said, well, we all have a job, and we need to do that job, no matter what that job is. And we'll see that with Ruth here in just a little bit. It, not, it might not be a very good job. Your work might not be glamorous. Here's the thing, though. There's a lot of us, there's going to come times whenever you're going to need to be the eyes, the ears, the mouth, the nose, the hands, the feet, all at once. Well, I ask you, are you growing as a Christian to fulfill those duties that need to be accomplished? Well, there may t- come a time that you are the best person for the job. And you're going to see that job through and see that job through to the very end. You might have to do some things that are uncomfortable. You might have to round up the cattle, build the fence, check the water, make sure the salt's out. You might have to do all of it at once at the same time. You need to be knowledgeable and versatile enough to be able to do all those things. I'd like to tell you that you're going to be the foot of the body of Christ and you're always going to be the foot and you're probably going to be content with being the foot. But the truth of the matter is that there's going to come a day whenever you're also going to need to be something else. You're going to need to be more. That's going to require you to grow as a Christian. I have Revelations 3.3 on here. Don't turn there yet. That's that's out of place. I'm sorry. Uh, Let's go back to Ruth, chapter 2 and verse number 7. Ruth 2, verse number 7. And he said, I pray you let me glean and gather after the reapers. So here we are, the, Ruth and Naomi uh, get back to, the, to Bethlehem. Um, once they are there, they got to provide for themselves. And the, under the old law, the harvesters would go through. They wouldn't uh, harvest the edges of the field. And anything that they dropped or fell on the ground, they had to leave it. And so those that are less fortunate, those are destitutes, can come in to the fields and they can work. You know, one of the, one of the great things I like about the, the Old Testament, there wasn't just, just handouts. I mean, if you wanted to survive, you were going to have to do something for it. Um, a little bit of work. So Ruth, she goes out into the field and she starts providing for herself and Naomi. I'm not exactly sure how old Naomi is. Uh, there are several ladies in the audience, so I'm not going to put an age on her. We're just going to say that she's elderly, and that can be whatever you want it to be, so we'll just leave it at that. So she goes to a, to a field that's uh, owned by Boaz. Boaz is a distant relative of Naomi's uh, late husband. Don't, we don't, he's not the direct descendant. He's not you know, his brother or something. I'm going to say a cousin, maybe an uncle. Uh, we're not sure on that, but we do know he's related. Um, and we go on verse number seven and it says and she said I pray thee let thee glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves so she came and she can and hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house then said Boaz unto Ruth hearest thou not my daughter go not to glean in another field neither go from hence but abide here fast by my maidens so we see that not only is Ruth willing to work, but we also see the kindness of Boaz. He tells her, don't go anywhere else. 
He says, you're related to Naomi. You're with her. You stay right here, and, and you follow my reapers. And he tells her to stick with the handmaidens, his handmaidens that are out there. He said, you stay right beside them. He said, the men of the harvest, they won't bother you. He said, you get what you want. And not only that, it goes on to where you, we see the kindness of Boaz. He tells his harvesters, he said, just on purpose, drop some so she'll have more. And he, he is the provider for her. I mean, he has taken that upon himself. He saw a need, and he provided for this lady and her mother-in-law. Uh, you know, we, you know, in doing all this, you know, not only did uh, Ruth gain a good reputation by helping her mother-in-law out, but so did Boaz because he saw a need and he he made sure that it was met. She went out and she worked hard. Uh, I asked her, what, what does your work ethic look like? You know, I, I, whenever, whenever I was in the military, uh, uh, my drill sergeant, he told us, and it, it stuck with me. It didn't stick with all of them, I guarantee you that. But he said, volunteer for stuff. He said, you're going to get picked to do the dirty jobs. He said, you're a private, just go ahead and volunteer. And so I did that for about six months. And I got some dirty, nasty jobs. There was nothing glorious about them. I, I, in the back of my mind, I was like, I signed up for the infantry, and I'm washing dishes. I mean, I, I did a dish duty for 24 hours, and that's all I did for a whole straight 24 hours is wash dishes. And I'm supposed to be shooting guns for a living, and this is what I'm doing. I mean, my hands, my hands ate so much. I never, I never have washed dishes like that, and I don't ever plan to. I, oh awful memories what are you willing to do as a christian though are you willing to do those dirty jobs because those dirty jobs are what it's going to take to get some people into this building to get some people to hear the gospel it's it's going to take some sacrifice it's going to take time it's going to take a lot of time i value my time i like my time off i like to bird hunt i like to go fishing you know, I like to just spend the evening with my family watching Star Wars. Th- that's fun. I enjoy that. I enjoy sitting in my chair and being lazy, especially after building fence all day or feeding cattle whenever it's five degrees outside. It'd be a little bit better time spent. I, I-, I, could-, I could be texting brothers and sisters in Christ doing that, but I don't. I could be calling somebody that's sick and in the hospital. There's a lot of people that are sick. I don't even know how many we had on that list, but it was a bunch, wasn't it, Sean? It was a bunch last week, last Sunday. It was even more the Sunday before that. We have opportunities to work. A lot of opportunities. How many people do you know that that are not Christians not in this building today? How many can you think of? A bunch. A bunch. I got a lot of friends that should be here that are not. Maybe I need to work harder. I need to take a lesson from Ruth and get out there and just work and sweat for a while. Maybe so. What does your pride look like? Talk about dirty jobs. There are a lot of jobs that are beneath you. I thought so too until I went in the military. What does your reputation look like? What do people know you as? Or David, 
spoke on that just a little bit today. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 14. Talks about the body that Zane talked about last week. Are you willing to be the pinky toe whenever you need to be the pinky toe? Walk down through the muck and the mire. Somebody's got to do it. Are you willing to be the eye and be responsible and lead people to make sure the pinky toe doesn't break itself off in a pothole? Are you willing to be the ear to, to hear for others, to listen to their problems? There's a lot of dirty, unclean, not fun jobs out there to do as Christians. We need to make sure they get done. Last person on the list, Boaz. I said Boaz was, uh, he was of the same family. Uh, and I, I encourage you to further study this. And, and if you want to dig deep, I really encourage that. There's, um, I think they are the descendants of the Framites. I'm not 100% sure on that, but they were a little bit wealthier from some of the things that I've read than probably a lot of people in Bethlehem. Um, but anyway, it, it, it would be worth uh, your attention to further study that because it gives, it gives Boaz, I mean, it just makes him look a lot better. Uh, he was obviously a wealthy man. You know, he did not have to help Ruth. Like I said, he wasn't the direct next of kin to Ruth. It was not his responsibility. He provided for them. Now, Ruth chapter 2, Go to verse number 15, 14. Chapter 2, verse number 14, it says, Boaz said unto her, At mealtime come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached, he reached her parched corn, and she did eat, and was sufficed, and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let, let her glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not. And let fall also some of the handfuls of, on purpose for her, and leave them that she may glean them, and rebuke her not. So she gleaned in the field until even, and beat out that she had gleaned, and it was about an effin of barley. And she took it up and went to the city, and, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and she brought forth and gave her that she had reserved after she was sufficed. Uh the measurement of, of barley there that she got, I, I believe it was enough to feed her and Naomi for a week. And I never have uh, messed with barley or any other grain for that much. I don't know how long it took. I don't know how much flour it takes to make a, a loaf of bread or to feed a person for a week, but it was quite a bit. And thanks to Boaz, she, she received all that. What do we do to help those who are in need? Do we look the other way? 
I'm guilty of that. I go to uh, Amarillo every, maybe once a month, hopefully not that often, maybe every two months. I go to those, uh, the major intersections and, oh, and it never fails. I always see somebody that's holding up a sign that says help a vet. And it just, it drives me completely insane. I, I get mad. If y'all don't know this, I'll go ahead and share this little piece of information. That way you know what I know and you can get mad if you want to. And you can work on controlling your anger like I have to. The VA has programs set up for veterans. They will feed you. They will clothe you. They will give you a place to live. They will find work for you if you're willing to do it. There is no reason whatsoever that a military veteran should ever be on the corner asking for money. Not ever. Unless they're just too lazy to do anything and then the VA won't help them. If you're not willing to do anything, the VA will say, well, come back whenever you are. So whenever I see those signs, I get a little upset because they can help themselves if they want to. But I ask you, what do you do for those that are in need? There are a lot of people out there that are hungry. There are a lot of people out there that need clothes. There are programs out there to help those people. What they probably need more than anything, what they do need more than anything is God. You know, we can't, we can't make up their mind for them. We can't. But we can try to. You hit them hard enough, they might come around. Verse number 22 ended with, uh, with Boaz being just he, a kind-hearted man. That's what he is. We end this, uh, this book with, with Boaz. He, uh, after, after Ruth goes to Naomi and tells her everything that happened, Naomi says, we have to help your situation. You're a good woman. You're a good, virtuous woman. We need to help you get out of the position that you're in. And so Naomi, Naomi told Ruth, clean yourself up, put on the perfume, put on the makeup. Whenever Boaz goes to sleep after he gets through with the flushing, threshing floor, lay down next to him, lay at his feet. Pretty much what that is is go and propose to him. There's a, a lot of different views on why Boaz wasn't already married. Some people say that he wasn't a perfect man. He might have been ugly. There are, there are a bunch of us out there like that. But she, she tells him, this is your way out. This is your way out of poverty. You know, you need to take this step. And she does. And Boaz could have taken that opportunity. It's dark. Nobody's around. I'm here with Ruth. Something could have happened, but nothing did. He says, I'm, I'm not the man to redeem you. Um, we go into verse, uh, this is the verse that I, I was looking for that Brother Sean couldn't help me find. Uh, Deuteronomy, let me make sure I mentioned that. Deuteronomy chapter 25. It'll make everything make a little bit more sense. Deuteronomy chapter 25 and verse number 5. 
If brethren dwell, dwell together and one of them die and have no children, the wife of the dead shall not marry without unto a stranger. Her husband's brother shall go in unto her and take her, take her to him to wife and form the duty of a husband brother unto her. And it shall be that the firstborn which she beareth shall succeed in the name of his brother which is dead, that, that his name be not put out of Israel. So the problem that we have with this is that uh, Ruth's husband is gone and her father-in-law is gone. The, the land that they had in their family is still there. Somebody else is running it. Somebody else owns it. To redeem Ruth, you, would, you have to pay for the land. And whenever you have a child with Ruth, you have to give that land to that firstborn. So as what you're doing is you're putting up a lot of money. You are getting a wife, though. You're putting up a lot of money and turning around and giving it away whenever that day comes. So it was a financial burden, so to speak, in order for Boaz to do it. But he was not the next of kin. And in the end, he does, he goes to the gate, and he does find her next of kin and tells him to redeem it. And he says he will. Then he says, you also have to redeem Ruth. You have to take her as wife, and their firstborn gets that land. And he says, I can't do it. I can't do it, and if I do, I'll ruin the inheritance of my own family, my own children. So he can't do it, and Boaz steps in and does. A man that sacrificed a lot to help out a widow that he didn't need to. And not only once does he do that, but he also got Naomi as well as someone that he has to take care of for the rest of her life. A man that's willing to bite off a lot for, for people that he barely knows. As we close with this, it's very short, but I ask you to study this and, and, and see how you can make changes in your life and helping others. You know, there's a lot of different needs out there, and you don't need to put yourself in the hole, so to speak, to, to fulfill them. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of people out there that need simple things. You know, not, not a whole lot, just, you know, there's a lot of people that just need a friend. There are a lot of people that need a godly friend to help them say, hey, you know, you are not on the right track, and I'm here to help you. That's what I got out of this lesson. I've, there are a lot of people that they don't need food, they don't need clothes, they don't need a home. They just need the right friends. So I hope there's something that you get from this lesson. I know I definitely have. I, I never have really looked at Ruth. It, four chapters is not very long to read. It, you get a lot from it. Uh, show you that you need to be a better person. That's what I got from it. The lesson is yours this morning. We didn't talk about the first principle. So I, I will say one thing, though. In this story, at the very beginning, we see a young lady who could have been in the same shoes as Ruth and made the right choice, but she did not. That was her sister-in-law. She chose the land of Moab. She chose the idols. She chose the false gods. If you're here 
this evening and you're still sitting on that fence wondering what, where you should choose, what you should choose. You know, we, we see a picture of somebody who did not choose God. I encourage you not to be that a person like Orpha was. We're going to stand and sing a song. If you'd like prayers of the church, we can help you with that. If you need to be baptized, we can help you with that as well as we stand and sing. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.